Welcome to Genesis Church. Uh, my name is Paul. I'm the lead pastor here. If we've never met before, uh, it's good to be with you today. If this is your first time at Genesis, welcome. Uh, it's a great family, great place, and uh, we'd love the chance to get to know you a little bit better. We know there might be others, a lot of illness going around uh, right now that have to be home, and so welcome to all of you that are watching online uh, today with us. But uh, as I was coming over here this morning, I live in Noblesville. Uh, I just spent some time kind of talking to the Lord and just thanking Him for all the good things He's doing through Genesis Church and uh, specifically through our Carmel campus. It's so exciting uh, to see how God is working in this place and all of the stories and uh, just uh, I want to th say thank you for what you do. Uh, thanks for praying. Thanks for serving. Uh, thank you for your generosity. Uh, we've been able to do some really special things together as a church uh, because of your faith and because of your generosity. Thanks for loving people uh, really well. And again, just for being a big part of, of, of Sundays here. And as Jerry's telling me, uh, this service in particular just keeps growing and growing and growing. And there are so many kids in our Gen Kids ministry right now. And that's fun and that's exciting. Um, we might be able to use your help, you know, if you've got any flexibility uh, and are able to be a part of our nine o'clock service, we've got a few more seats there, and so keep that in mind on Sunday mornings. That could be one way that you can help us make sure that nobody goes crazy back in the Gen Kids area because they're working really hard. And uh, they're a big part of our church as well. It's not just what happens in this room, but uh, also what happens uh, in places like Gen Kids. So thank you. Thanks again for all uh, that you do. I, I wonder if any of you have ever had a moment like this. Okay, use your imagination with me if you will. You, some of you might not have to think hard. You, you pull up to work or, or someplace like, like it, and immediately when you get into the lot, you notice that car. Now, what car is it that I'm talking about? It's that car of the individual that you don't want to see, all right? You don't want to be around them. Anybody ever had a moment like that before? Be honest, we're in church, all right? No lying in church today. Uh, maybe you've had a moment like that, and so what do you do? You just kind of casually drive back out of the parking lot and maybe take the long way around the block or two and, and hope at least that somebody else gets there so that you won't have to confront that person alone. Maybe you've had a similar moment like that at the store or the mall, and you're not thinking about anything. You're just minding your own business, doing your own thing, and you come around the corner, and there they are, right? And your eyes meet, and you've got that moment thinking about what happens now, right? What, what do I do next? Who makes the first move? It happens on social media. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had a moment like this. You're just scrolling through the news feed on, on Facebook, making, maybe looking through your Instagram, and you run across their name, right? And when you see their name, when you see their post, do you recognize what it does in you, that emotion that comes charged? You know, there's that moment, and you just you, you kind of feel your heart begin to pick up the pace. How about this one, right? We're one week out. Next weekend, you're probably going to spend some time with lots of family, and there are people that you love, and there are people that are a little more difficult to love, because maybe you've got somebody like this in your life. You've got a Cousin Eddie, right? Anybody have a Cousin Eddie uh, in their life, somebody that you're going to have to see next week? Some of you are like, I might be the Cousin Eddie. Oh, no, like if you're the Cousin Eddie, sorry about that. But, you know, again, if you've got an individual like that in your life, if somebody that's a part of your family... We know what it's like. We know what family's like at times. You know, the thought of seeing them, the thought of acting like nothing ever happened, it's just, well, it begins to eat you alive. And why? Well, there's a story, right? We all have stories. 
Uh, we all have examples. We all have events in our life. And, and there are times, like, when you explain it, if you were to share the details of someone else, like, even as it comes out of your mouth, you might think to yourself, it's, it's really not that big of a deal. I don't know why I'm, I'm still kind of carrying this around. But because it happened to you or because it's happened enough times in your life or to the people that you love, you're pretty upset about it. But maybe it wasn't so innocent. Because some of you, some of us have stories like that where somebody hurt you, and there's a pain, and there, it, it's deep, uh, it, it's painful, there, there's a, a painful wound in your life. And for some of you today, by the grace of God, uh, you found healing from it. Uh, maybe time helped with that. Uh, maybe you took a step to, see, to, to seek some professional help. Um, somebody that helped kind of walk through those memories, helped you find that healing, your faith in God, like any of these could help you heal, forgive, maybe even reconcile, but it wasn't easy. But you did the work and you've been able to see some results and some incredible healing and freedom through it. But for some of you today, you haven't been able to take that step. And you've tried to forgive, but the pain is still really, really deep. Or, or you want to forgive, but because the person that is the offender hasn't taken any responsibility for their part, you know, it's, it's difficult to take that step. Or, or you just don't want to forgive because you don't want to. Like, I, you know, we, we don't want to. And, and it feels like, you know, if you were, it would be almost as if you're letting the other person off the hook. And the fact is that you're hurt. You feel like you're owed something. If we're honest, isn't this true? There, there's something empowering at times about holding a grudge. Uh, there's, there's something empowering about bitterness and, and resentment, almost that we get used to it, but if left unchecked, it'll eat you alive. It's no wonder that, that someone once said, I, I couldn't find the uh, exact person, but that bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping that the other person dies. Isn't that true? All right, bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping that the other person dies. You know, bitterness can impact every part of your life. It can impact your relationships. It can impact your health, even your faith. But, but here's the thing, and, and this is what I'm praying that the Lord might do in us and even in this room or those that are watching from another place today. Like, our God, our loving God, He, he doesn't want us living like that. He doesn't want you living like that. He, he has something better. He has something different for each of us. And he, he wants to free us from things like bitterness so that we can enjoy everything that he has for us in this world. And something else, too, he also knows that bitterness can prevent us from becoming the type of followers of Jesus that he wants and desires for us to be in this world. And uh, as Dan mentioned, we're in the fourth week of this series here at Genesis called Travel Light uh, because we know that in a crowded, busy, on-the-go holiday season, like it's common at a time of the year like this when we should be very excited and celebrating to also feel weighed down by things like worry and busy busyness and loneliness and, and as we're going to talk about today, bitterness. And so our goal over these next couple of weeks is to help you see that that extra weight wasn't a weight that God ever intended for us to carry. And so his solution for us is really clear, and that is that he desires for us to leave the baggage behind, the, the, the bitterness behind, and travel light. Now, when it comes to leaving something like bitterness behind, you may think, well, that sounds a little simplistic, you know, to think that we can just kind of solve that issue right here in this room, and we just go on with our lives, especially when I don't have any idea what you've gone through. And and I don't know your story. I don't know what he did. I don't know what she might have said to you. But I do know this. I know what hurt feels like. I mean, I've been on the receiving end of hurt. Um, I've hurt others. I've been betrayed. And at the same time, I also know that 
what bitterness feels like because I'm not perfect. I've, I've held a grudge. I've uh, withheld uh, forgiveness from others. I've, I've allowed bitterness to eat away in my own life. But, but here's something else that I've experienced, and maybe you've experienced this too. I've seen the power of forgiveness. I've seen what the Lord can accomplish. I've, I've watched as people have set aside things like bitterness to, to enjoy the power of forgiveness and redemption and healing in their life. And, and so if you're living with bitterness towards somebody right now, I just want you to know that I want the same for you. I've been praying for you and praying for our time together today and for those of you that might be watching someone else that God might do something very special in your life and in my life today. And so if you've got your Bible, I'm going to invite you to take it and turn to the book of Hebrews. Uh, we're going to be in the New Testament or the second half of your Bible, and you're going to go most of the way through the New Testament uh, towards the end to the book of Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, we're going to spend a few minutes here in verses 14 and 15, and then we're going to jump over to Ephesians and a couple of places in the Gospels. We'll have all of these words on the screen. But as followers of Jesus, and I would say this is true for us at Genesis Church as well, we believe that it's important to look to God's word for direction for how to live in this world, that God has a lot to say. He's got much to say about a lot of things, including bitterness and our response to it as his children. And so in Hebrews chapter 12, picking it up in verse 14, here's what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy without holiness. No one will see the Lord. He says, make every effort. To what? To live in peace. He says, with everyone. To be holy, because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Now, to be holy means that we are saved by grace. If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you have been saved by grace. We are, we are holy, but holiness is about this process of God's work in us where we become more and more like Jesus each day. And so according to the writer of Hebrews, one of the ways that we become more and more like Jesus has to do with the way that we live and the way that we respond to others. Now, in your case, you might be thinking, well, I've tried to make peace but, but the other person wants nothing to do with it, or uh, they won't own up to their part, or uh, maybe they won't apologize, or, or they've hurt me, they've hurt others one too many times. Well, as the Apostle Paul explains, you and I aren't responsible for how the other person responds, just you. Look how he, how he says it in Romans chapter 12, verse 18. Paul says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And so Paul says, hey, you do you. You know, you, we, we say that to our kids all the time. Hey, you, you do you. You worry about doing the right thing. As followers of Jesus, you and I are responsible for our actions and the way that we respond to others. And that means then that God has some expectations for how we live as his people. At the same time, he loves you. Like he, he loves you and he loves me enough to make sure that we're not going to spend our whole lives carrying around baggage that we were never intended to carry things like bitterness. And so he continues back in Hebrews again with verse 15 by saying, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root 
Notice that word root grows up to cause trouble and to defile many. Jenny and I used to live in Louisville. When we lived there, we had this multi-level home. On the upper floor were our bedrooms. Uh, on the main floor, we had the kitchen and the living room and the dining room. There was a, a lower floor that went out to the patio where we had another living space and a bathroom, and then we had a basement. Well, one day, Jenny was in the kitchen, and she was putting the dinner, the rest of dinner, down the garbage disposal. I just happened to be on the lower level in the bathroom when all of a sudden I heard the garbage disposal and then a moment or two later all of our dinner was coming up through the bathroom drain into the bathtub. Pretty sure it's not supposed to work like that. Well, we called a plumber. The plumber came out and used one of those devices where they kind of burrow in through your pipes. Well, wouldn't you know it, he pulled out a piece of root that had penetrated the drain pipe out in the front yard that was causing all of our dinner to back up into our bathtub. It's amazing what trouble that little root caused. In the same way, bitterness, as the writer of Hebrews describes, becomes like this root that has the potential of penetrating our souls, impacting your life, others' lives, as well as your faith. And so one reason we need to leave behind bitterness is just simply this, that bitterness hurts everyone, including me, including to the one that's holding on. And, and for too many people today, and maybe some of you in the room even right now, you might be living with a bitter root in your life. And maybe you've lived with it for so long, you don't even notice it anymore. Uh, others of you, you know it's there. And certainly those closest to you, they see it. And by the grace of God, maybe you're becoming more aware even of its influence and power in your life. And, and for others, I mean, you'd love to set aside your hurt. But what happened wasn't fair. And you were betrayed and someone broke trust and maybe hurt somebody that you love. And so the pain is very real, it's very raw, but do you want to know something? Like that bitterness isn't accomplishing anything good in your life or in my life either. And only if we could go back in time, man, we all learn lessons, right? If we could go back in time and make sure that it never happened, that'd be great, but that's not going to happen. And so what choice do we have? Well, thankfully, God says there's a way out of the bitterness and it's not only right for us as followers of Jesus, but it's better. And it's freeing. And Jesus is able to help us through. Later on in the New Testament book of Ephesians, Paul writes, the Apostle Paul writes about how important it is for us to leave bitterness behind so that God can bring things like healing and freedom into our lives. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, Paul says, he says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. See, if we're gonna, if we're gonna follow Jesus according to the Apostle Paul, there are things in my life, there are things in your life that have to go. There are things that have to be left behind. And so he says, get rid of bitterness. Uh, basically, don't tolerate its work and its presence in your life to, again, which some of us are like, okay, that's great. Like, I, w I wish I could just make it that simple and just leave bitterness behind or pretend like it never happened. Like, is that what we're supposed to do? That's not what Paul's saying. He says, get rid of all the bitterness, yes, but it isn't until the next verse that Paul suggests something that really can give us, get us moving in the right direction uh, when it comes to being able to take this next big step. And we find that in verse 42 when he continues, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God 
forgave you. Forgiveness, the word forgiveness is basically a mathematical term. Uh, It means to cancel the debt. And so if you owe me something, um, I might cancel the debt. I might forgive the debt. Again, to forgive the debt means to cancel it. It means to, to let it go. It means to basically say, you don't owe me anything anymore. And forgiveness, if you're new to Christianity, if you're new to something uh, like our church is an essential part of the Christian life, the Christian faith. It's one of the things that distinguishes Christianity from all other religions. It's, it's really the foundation and the truth of what we believe that God chose to deal with the things like sin and bitterness in this world, and he initiated that process when he sent his son Jesus Christ as a baby into the world. Well, we know the story of Jesus, that he grew and eventually became a teen and a man, and Jesus, his story was that he was accused he was mistreated, he was betrayed, he was hurt repeatedly, he didn't do anything wrong, he lived a sinless life, but he died a horrible death on the cross so that you and I could also be forgiven for the repeated times that we have sinned against God. And when you think about it, like God could have chosen bitterness. Uh, he, He has every right to hold my sin, all right, over my head, but he doesn't do that. Instead, he paid the price for my sin and your sin once and for all through the death of his son, Jesus Christ, his death and his resurrection. Jesus Christ, God has canceled the debt, all right? He has forgiven me and many of you of our sins. And so what does any of this then have to do with with bitterness or my willingness to forgive someone? Well, if you're harboring bitterness or resentment against anyone, if you're struggling with the thought of possibly forgiving someone else, knowing they don't deserve it, sometimes it's helpful and important to remember that at the end of the day, I need forgiveness too. And you need it as well. And not only before the Lord, but with others, with the people that you love, the people that are closest to you. And in God's economy, God's kingdom, Like you and I can't fully experience and live out the love of God and also hate a brother or a sister at the very same time. Especially when you and I consider all of the times we've offended God, all the times we've turned our back on Him, and yet He forgives. He has canceled the debt. Because when we're in Christ Jesus, when you're in Christ Jesus, when you surrender your life to the Lord, when you trust Jesus Christ with your life, The good news is that he doesn't hold your sins or my sins against us any longer and he doesn't want us then to hold someone else's sins against them. And so why should I forgive? Well, first of all, bitterness hurts me, all right? Bitterness hurts everyone, including me. But secondly, again, I need forgiveness in my life. You need it as well. That's a little bit of the why. Let's talk about the how for just a moment. Like how in the world do you forgive? forgive somebody who ripped your heart out? How in the world do you forgive someone who stole your innocence? How do you forgive somebody that that hurt someone that you love? Well, no matter what it is, and this is maybe where it begins to sound a little simplistic, but it isn't. It starts with prayer. If you and I are going to forgive, Uh, If we're going to leave behind things like bitterness and resentment, if we're going to live out the ways of Jesus and become everything that he wants us to be in this world, like it starts with prayer. You you pray for those who hurt you and you don't don't pray that they get hemorrhoids. All right. That's not what we're talking about. Those aren't the kinds of prayers that we want to pray or uh, pray that somebody gets hit by a bus. 
No, we, we pray like Jesus prayed when, when people hurt him. And, and what did he pray when he was hanging on the cross? He prayed, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're, they're doing. And, and look at how he taught to one of many places. Matthew chapter 5, verses uh, 43 and 44. Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This was a, a pretty countercultural Jesus uh, teaching on Jesus' part 2,000 years ago because at the time, Rome ruled the world and they, the Romans worshiped revenge as one of their gods. And so it was normal and heroic to seek out revenge. Anybody seen the movie Gladiator before? All right, again, the heroism, the revenge that is celebrated in that movie. Well, even the Jews live by a, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a life for life sort of value system. But then Jesus came on the scene and he flipped their value system upside down. What did he say? Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, to which we might say, but I don't want to pray for them, right? Or, you know, I don't feel like praying for them or how, how can I pray for them when I know that it wouldn't be sincere? But notice that Jesus didn't say pray for them if you feel like it. And he didn't suggest that it would be easy either. But what Jesus' life and ultimately his teachings reveal to us is that trusting him with your life means an invitation into a whole new way of living. A way of living where his spirit empowers us. His spirit guides us and leads us. And, and so it's a promise from Jesus that we have this hope in Christ that he will lead us through, that he will guide us through no matter you know, what it is, no matter uh, what has happened. And so if you're in Jesus, like you have this promise, you have this hope that you are forgiven, which means we practice forgiving others. And again, that doesn't mean it's easy, but that's why Jesus urges us to pray. And really, it's like what we've talked about over these past couple of weeks, that there is nothing more important than sitting at the feet of Jesus. Like following, following Jesus means daily sitting at the feet of Jesus. Disciples of Jesus sit at his feet. Disciples of Jesus want to spend time with him, which means we're in his word, which means we're, we're learning to dialogue with him in prayer. We're seeking his wisdom. Listen, I don't know how God might want to use this message for you today, but if you've been harboring things like bitterness and resentment towards someone, it's important to acknowledge it. And be willing to take it to the feet of Jesus. That he cares. To talk to him about it. To tell him what you feel. To invite him into the, the pain and the resentment. To talk to him about your questions. I mean, when you think about it, it's not like we're hiding things from him anyways. He already knows. And here's something else. Like if you're hurting, like if there's some hurt, if there's some bitterness, there's some resentment in your life, like, that matters to him. Like he is a loving God and a caring father. And he doesn't want that hurt to hold you back. And he certainly doesn't want that bitterness to hold you or me back either. And so do the work. Like take your questions before Jesus, your hurt, your reluctance to forgive to the feet of Jesus, or at least for today. Like what would it look like for you today to make a decision that you don't want to tolerate a life of bitterness and take that before the Lord and say, you know what, I don't, I don't know where to go from here, but I am at least willing to make a decision today that I don't want to live like this any longer. I don't want to hold someone's sins against them because you're not holding them against me. 
Jesus, teach me to cancel the debt. Help me to do the work to forgive. And so we start by praying, but eventually we must just very simply forgive as we've been forgiven. Paul continues in verse 32. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. How? Just as in Christ God forgave you and me. How do we forgive? We forgive the same way that Jesus forgives us. There was this encounter that Jesus and one of his disciples, Peter, had on an occasion where forgiveness had come up. And so Peter wanted to look, you know, really good in front of his teacher. And so he went to Jesus and said, hey, hey, Jesus, how many times are we supposed to forgive somebody? How about seven times? Now, here's what you need to know. There was this belief in, the, in Jude- Judaism that you should forgive a person not just once, not just two times, but up to three times, all right, that you could forgive somebody up to three times, even uh, for a repeated action. So you see what Peter's doing here? He's coming in real strong. Jesus, you know, I'm willing to forgive up to seven times, but Jesus looked at Peter and replied, seven, question mark, try 77 times. That was symbolic. It was Jesus' way of saying, the number doesn't matter. Don't even keep track. Just keep forgiving. Now, I think we need to stop there because it's important that we lay out a couple of disclaimers, one being just this. What if you're in danger? Something like an abusive, uh, complicated, dangerous situation. Forgiveness doesn't mean you tolerate the actions of someone else. Uh, It doesn't mean you have to stick around. It it doesn't mean that there aren't consequences for a person's actions. If you're in a dangerous situation, you should get help. Genesis Church can be a place that helps you get the help that you need. And so don't hesitate to reach out if that's the kind of position that you're in. But something else too, forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean things go back to the way they used to be. I love the way a friend described it one time to me that as Christians, Forgiveness is a requirement. We are required to forgive. Reconciliation is different. Reconciliation takes time and prayer. It's something to be hoped for, but entered into very carefully and unfortunately isn't always possible. But forgiveness? Jesus isn't holding my sins against me, and so I shouldn't hold your sins against against you and that's because jesus doesn't want bitterness to weigh us down to control our lives and so forgiveness is how we let it go but that doesn't mean it's easy but it is why we need jesus and why we need his help in 2008 Uh, Mario Gonzalez Tello was standing outside his favorite restaurant in Indianapolis when he saw a young man holding a woman at gunpoint. Uh, He decided to be a good Samaritan in this moment, confronted the young man, but Dominic Staten, 16 years old at the time, panicked and shot him dead. The woman's life was spared, and Dominic was caught a few weeks later still carrying the murder weapon in his backpack. Mario's death left a really big hole in the lives of his four adult children. But 10 years after the murder, this would be just three or four years ago, two of Mario's sons decided they wanted to meet and face the man who killed their father. 
And so they contacted somebody from Prison Fellowship International. They in turn contacted CNN who wanted to capture the men's story for a series called The Redemption Project. I wanna show you just a short segment of a 40-minute production, a conversation between Aldo and Mario Jr., the sons, and Dominique, the young man who killed their father. What we want is for dad's memory not to just fade away. I want you to have hope. You're with people who are in dark spots. You can be the light for them. And now, dad's memory lives through you. It's not just over when he died on that parking lot. Every year on June 30th, I take that moment, that time, and pray for your family. As their kids lost their grandfather, they lost, some people lost a friend, a mentor, a brother, whoever he may be to those. I'm very remorseful and I'm deeply sorry about this whole situation because it was never my intentions to kill anybody. I was just being selfish and greedy. I wanted something that I should have worked hard for when I had a chance to. I could sit here and hate you all day long, okay? One, it takes way too much energy. I don't want to invest that much energy into hate. We got enough hate in the world right now, man. I mean, we, we, need, we need to stop. We hate what happened. I don't want you to think we hate you. And I'm proud of what you're starting to do. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad that you're taking the opportunity to be a better person. I feel in my heart that you are remorseful. And we all make mistakes. Hope heals everything. You get to write the last chapter for my dad. Dominique, is there anything you'd like to say this time? Um, I mean, this is a blessing. This is God's work. And I'm so, so deeply sorry for what happened to Mr. Gonzalez. I know I can't bring him back or anything whatsoever, but I can hold his memory to my heart for the rest of my life. Thank you all for your contributions. Dominic. Is it cool to shake your hand? Thank you, Aldo. We appreciate it. Thank you, man. I appreciate it so much for this opportunity. Thank you, son. Thank you, man. Hey, just remember, God loves you, man. He does, okay? Yes, sir. You can uh, watch that episode of The Redemption Project on Discovery Plus if you want to check that out. Um, but the story is extra special, not just because it happened in Indianapolis, but because Aldo, the man with the glasses, is our Noblesville campus pastor, Steve Wallen's brother-in-law. And uh, it's a powerful example, certainly, right, of grace, forgiveness, healing, None of it happens apart from Jesus Christ. I don't know what the Lord wants to do in your life today. 
why he brought you here, the things that he's bringing to mind right now, maybe bringing some awareness of bitterness that you have tolerated and allowed to rule in your life far too long. Uh, it could be that today is just another step. You're already in process. God's working in your life, but this takes time. And so today is just another step in trusting Him and believing Him for what only He can do. Some of you, though, are ready to forgive. And it's time to forgive. And Jesus can help. Will you bow your heads with me? I want to give you just a few moments in trusting and believing that God is up to something very special here today, maybe in somebody's life, maybe yours. Why don't you tell him what you need? Talk to him about your questions about where to go from here. Aldo's words when he said, you get to write the next chapter. Can I encourage you today to let Jesus write the next chapter? Father, you know every heart and life in this room today. You know mine. You know what I'm capable of, how ugly I can get. But thank you for your grace and for your forgiveness in my life, Lord, and for each of us and even those that have hurt us. I don't in any way want to pretend like this is easy stuff. And I don't think that's what you're trying to communicate to us either. But most of all, that you desire to be a friend, a leader, a guide, and a Lord for us that is capable of anything. You are capable of immeasurably more than we could ever ask for, hope, or imagine. And so we are trusting you today. You can trust Jesus. Jesus, have your way in us and in this place. And it's in your name we pray today. Amen.